0: Hello, New Jersey is the world listeners. This is Mike D coming to you solo. They actually let me do the intro for once. I don't think that's ever happened before. So I'm really excited to share an interview we did with Mark from the band Booster. And we ended up having a super fun conversation, which, as it always does in New Jersey, leads back to the world of punk rock. This also leads back to Rawway, and I learned a lot of things about Rawway that I didn't know. So enjoy this chat with Mark from Brewster.
1: I've got a small nicotine vape I might hit sometimes. Is that okay? If I Yeah, we're, okay. we're like, we're, we're talking. We? <laughs> it's like, yeah, man,
0: do whatever. It makes you comfortable. We, I have one random question, though, before we do anything. Cool. Do you know the guys from the band Bulldoze? Bulldoze? Yeah,
1: I know. I've never heard of them.
0: Never heard. Of it. It, it, I thought it was just. Me, I um. I I know one of the guys. We go to the same jujitsu gym, and out of the blue yesterday, he was like, "Do you know a guy, Mark Bucci?" And I was like. I was like, sort of, I was like, we're, we've been chatting. I was like, he's going to come on our show, but it must be a different person. But I just thought maybe, because i right, it's not a super uncommon name. Like, I'm sure you're not the only one. It's like, I'm one of eight eight million Mike Dolans. Yeah, that's true.
1: Are they a band in New Jersey? Yeah,
0: they've been around forever in New York and New Jersey. I mean, they've been around since the, the 90s, but they're like a big, like, hardcore band. They were like super popular at one point. They're still pretty popular to be be honest.
1: I'm gonna see because I worked at a music venue for a long time. Oh they played at Club Chrome. Oh that's way before my not way before but uh, let's see if I recognize any of these dudes I mean by the looks of these guys, they'd know a lot of people named Bucci. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. that's what I thought. But I just thought it was, it, it was, this literally happened yesterday when, uh, before, before class. He brought, because we were, oh, wow. he was just like, do you know this person? Do you know this person? So I figured I just had to throw it out there.
1: Um, no, I don't. I mean, I kind of recognize one of these dudes, but no, I don't think so. Unless they ever played at Crossroads in Garwood and, like, really remember me for some reason. Oh,
0: you worked at Crossroads?
1: I did, yeah. I was the sound tech there for almost a decade.
0: Oh, I love that place.
1: Yeah. Have you been recently?
0: I have. I went... Um, Chris and I have been a couple times recently. We went to see... Um, Marissa from Scream Else do like her solo thing. Uh, and then we went another night for some so other bands.
1: Cool. Do like that spot. It's very cool. I, I worked there from like twenty eleven until right at the twenty eighteen, maybe something like that. So that
0: was that like your uh <clears throat> your your proper intro to the Jersey music scene?
1: No, no. I would I would say that was like uh that was where I like cultivated everything. But I mean I've been I've been in and around since, I'm 34 now, and since I, like, I don't know, since I was in high school, like 14, 15.
0: That's that's probably a good place to start, actually, because we should, if we're going to do a show, we should probably say, hey, everybody, it's me, Mike from (laughs) New Jersey is the world. Um, I'm here solo, the rest of the crew will hopefully pop up soon, but I'm very excited to be here with Mark, with Mark Bucci. How you doing, Mark?
1: Good. How are you doing, Michael? I am
0: doing well. I always like when I can kind of uh, pop out in the middle of the day from my, my day job and do something fun like this. So it's like a nice yeah. break in the middle of the day. Excellent. So um, Mark and I have a bunch of things that, that we want to chat about. The main thing we want to chat about is New Jersey music, which is one of my favorite topics. And uh, we, we were just chatting, and I know you've got a bunch of music stuff going on but I figured let's first um real quick just kick it off with with your band and what's happening now and then we can kind of wind back but I just want to give people a sense because I know you do have like quite a bit of stuff like happening at the moment
1: yeah I mean that's kind of what's brought me here in the first place um I'm in a band called Brewster and we just put out a record called Honey Shake Me we're a uh, the genre the kids call alternative nowadays <laughs> It's like kind of the nice center of the Venn diagram between indie rock and uh, country rock and roll. I like to lean a little heavier on the the country rock and roll side, but uh, yeah, all the playlists call it y'all alternative.
0: I've never heard that term before, but it's a very good term. So it's kind of like it's perfect. Yeah, the, it's basically like alternative country music. Is that a fair assessment?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's that there's the genre term alt country and then i think that more specifically is now referring to the stuff in the 90s and early 2000s with like uncle tupelo and Mm -hmm. surrounding acts specifically and then it looks like the alternative side is more like uh younger people inspired by like yankee hotel foxtrot arrow wilco got it so (laughs) micro genre for sure absolutely does uh
0: does mojo nixon fall into the alternative
1: i don't know mojo nixon
0: oh very cool like uh I would say like
1: punk country. Um, oh, cool! That's another micro genre, definitely. Uh, like Hank the Third and Devil Makes Three and and uh, cats like that. I think uh, country punk is what they, or maybe cow punk. They say cow
0: punk is also a good term.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: this is yeah, not not a. Uh, I just hadn't heard that word, the alternative, before, but I like that. So now we know you got a band, but like I, we have to ask the question which invites you know, everyone in high school are in New Jersey, which is where did you go to high school? Because <laughs> I feel like that's where every music story in New Jersey starts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this is a great part of the story. Uh, I went to Westfield High School in Union County. Home of the Watcher. And <laughs> yes, yeah, the Watcher is the big thing that we hear now. And like, and this, this is a good way to branch into everything that we wanted to talk about. Like, When you hear the word Westfield or when people in New Jersey hear the word Westfield, it brings to mind, nowadays, it brings to mind... Like the Watcher is a great example. I don't know if you watched that, but like that was like the worst representation I've ever seen of that town in my life. Yes, it looked like Greenwich, Connecticut. Like it was that is not what. And also they put it on a lake, which was really weird. We uh, because there's no.
0: (laughs) We actually we did a show about watching the Watcher. And I was embarrassed to admit that I could only make it two episodes in, and then I just stopped watching it. And the specific uh, reason that I stopped watching it was the, the art direction bothered me so much that I just couldn't yeah, keep it was, watching it. Was it was really like, bad. I mean, I've been to Westfield many times, and it, that place or little to no resemblance to the actual
1: town of Westfield. Absolutely. They captured the vibe of the people that live in Westfield now, which was, I think why they gave them these huge houses and stuff. Um, But I grew up there in the nineties and I left in like, I've I've been in and out since like 2008. Basically I work there now, funny enough. And like I live in union County again. Um, But the, the Westfield that I grew up with, I, I don't know if it really exists anymore. Um, the, I, I don't know if you ever went, did you ever go to a record store called sound station in Westfield? don't think
0: so. That was not on my record store list, which is sad.
1: They, well, you know, I guess they were a CD store really now thinking of the, the time that it was, I mean, they started doing vinyl when the, you know, the vinyl comeback, quote unquote, started happening. Um, But the whole time I was growing up, there is definitely a CD store. Um, But they threw shows and all this stuff. And it was right by the high school. That's, you know, the fact that there was a store like that in Westfield is a good representation of like what was going on there. So like the Westfield that you see now, like the 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 upper one percent, like uh trust fund kids I'm, I'm speaking of the youth there i guess because i grew up with the youth cross playing uh trust fund kids uh the the suv driving soccer moms like all this the wealth essentially is what i'm talking about that kind of started coming in while i was growing up there and um, so when I say I'm from Westfield, a lot of people, you know, get the image that I may be one of these people. But I like to put it in the way of like, no, that wasn't me. But I had to grow up with all these people surrounding me, and uh, and then you know I ended up getting involved in the punk scene in New Jersey. And like, if you ever needed an easier enemy than that, like,
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Um, but Westfield had a great it had a great music scene. There's a lot of ska, so I was a ska kid growing up, big time. Um, there were punk shows, there was this awesome record store, uh, with this guy, Bob Larson, who I'm I'm still friends with, luckily, um, that would like, it would be a safe haven for kind of alt kids that didn't fit the molds that Westfield was trying to put us into. Uh, and he would let us hang out there after school and he'd be the guy that when we were like 12 or 13, be like, have you ever heard of this guy, Jimi Hendrix or Hmm. the misfits or something like that, you know? Um, you know, there were delis that we drank forties behind and like, you know, all that kind of stuff existed while I was growing up there. So that was, that was kind of my introduction into it. Even before I was old enough to get down to new Brunswick or even play in venues and stuff, there were VFW shows. There were all that, all the, all the fixings.
0: We Yeah. I mean, our, our, where we grew up in Essex County, the big store record store for us was let it rock. Um, Which was an amazing, serious, like independent record store. I mean, they had stuff from all over the world, like, you know, punk, like old greasy rock and roll. Although I will say, as Nice of a guy as Bobby, who owned it, was, and he is a very nice man. He was extremely intimidating. Oh <laughs> so yeah, was, yeah. People were not hanging out at Let It Rock beyond just like buying records, or at least I wasn't. I was too terrified to do that.
1: Right. Every store's got to have that one guy for sure. Yeah, and he was the only guy. There was an employee at Sound Station that was like that, but luckily we had the his foil as well. Yeah, we. You only
0: got you only got Bobby when you went to Let It Rock, but uh, but he 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 had an extremely. Deep knowledge of, of music. And then he went on to open the Clash Bar later on. Oh, no shit. Uh, Very cool. Yeah. What, uh, who were the big bands when you first got into punk
1: in Jersey? The big ones in Jersey. Let's see. Um God, I don't even... You know, I can't even... I don't know if I could even say if there was one. Like, specifically punk-wise. Like, we definitely when i got older we definitely had to go into new york a lot um especially like Tompkins square area there was uh i was i was into the uh crack rock steady scene when i was a teenager mm-hmm. i don't know if that rings any bells for you no
0: but i'd love to hear about it because it's the wonderfully yeah, wonderful named <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's very i mean i i i can't listen to it anymore but it was uh it was like ska core bands there's a band called leftover crack uh choking victim was another one Indie k oh choking
0: victim yeah under.
1: yeah yeah so that whole scene uh i would go into new york to see that those shows all the time um but in in where i was in westfield it was really i would say it was actually mostly ska now that i'm thinking about it because we're if i can put it in a time frame I was in high school from 2003 to 2007. So like ripe for third wave to be happening. Um, And we had, there was a, there's a, you know, a church or whatever that did shows. And uh, oh, and the folk punk thing happened there as well. I don't know. Do you know mischief brew or the world Inferno friendship society?
0: So world Inferno, I know. and, absolutely massive massive fan of that band um seen them killer play i was a as well times i still am actually i still listen to uh red-eyed soul like with some frequency that's yeah. a great record
1: yeah i was like the perfect age for that record to come out i still remember it came out on uh june 6 2006 so it could be 666 <laughs> uh i was like a junior in high school i think when that came out and they I don't think they specifically ever played in Westfield but uh Eric Peterson RIP of and Jack RIP now too both of them yeah yeah. um Eric Peterson came and played in Westfield a couple times at our church, the guy from Mischief Brew. And then those two bands would play at Hamilton Street Cafe. And I remember they even did like a a double header there a couple times. So there was a train station in Westfield that would take you right to Boundbrook or you could go to Bloomfield Ave or anything like just right from the train. So like as a little shit eating punk, you could go to all these shows very easy.
0: Where were you going on Bloomfield Avenue? That's
1: interesting. Uh, Bloomfield Ave Cafe,
0: huh? Another venue. So It was I think like this like decade older than you, <clears throat> so I was probably. I think so. Too yeah, old. this is
1: probably oh, the yeah. generation right after you, after y'all. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was like the sister venue to Hamilton Street Cafe. If you ever went there, which was like the smoke inside, drink forties in the back venue of my youth. The best kind of place. <laughs> yeah, doesn't, exactly. Doesn't
0: really exist anymore, probably.
1: Right. Yeah. Very, very much so. Yeah. There's
0: too many. Uh, too many rules and everything is on video to have like teenage kids, uh, illegally drinking in the back of a place you own.
1: Right. Yeah. And I mean, I guess that's for the best in a lot of ways, but I mean, so many parts of my personality were formed over a 40 behind a garage or something, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I shouldn't be an example for any teenagers that are listening right now, but you know, makes for good times.
0: Were, uh, were you playing music too as a teenager?
1: Yeah. 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 I was, I, My first ever band, I played trumpet in a ska band called Oh Heidi, uh, which went on to form a ska band called the mafia, which ended up, I think they did a, like a small tour with big D and the kids table or something like that. They did, you know, some small East coast touring stuff. Um, and then, and then I was in a punk band called the diehards, which did okay for a while. Um, like, I remember the first show I ever played, not as a trumpeteer in a ska band, was at a basement show in, I want to say, Milburn, I think. Something like that. Um, yeah, that was, I mean, and then I was in, I started doing like folk and country style music later in high school and would do shows under a different name, uh, just like kind of me, me and a guitar or whatever. So it kind of started around then. So, yeah, I mean, it hasn't really stopped since then.
0: So you went from playing horns to guitar,
1: and then that was how you... I wouldn't even say I played horns. It was more just like I played trumpet from, like, fourth grade when they make you choose an instrument. And then I was into music, and they're like, you know, hey, we need a trumpeter. And I was like, "I, I guess I can do it. I don't know. But I didn't really know what was going on until... I don't know. I was like 13 years old and started playing guitar and stuff. You were a band kid in school. Yeah. And like in, in younger school for sure. Yeah. I've been playing music my whole life. Um, I thought I was going to do marching band and this is a good representation of my personality. Uh, I went, I like, I went to the band camp and all that for the first summer that you could. And then the first day of school in high school, they had like the first marching band practice or whatever and it was so much walking and it was in the sun and it was so much work and i was like fuck this absolutely not and i quit after the first practice fair right it's like rock and roll is for me like, i just want
0: the music part i don't need the uh, the marching around in the heat part of it
1: yeah 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 actually all these kids are kind of fucking nerds <laughs> was, was westfield like
0: a big band town
1: um, I think the well, okay, so if you can imagine how competitive all the people that you imagine in Westfield are, like, apply that to its public school system, and it was a fucking nightmare. Like, very much so. In every aspect, like, academically, um... And then the marching band was, like, really competitive. They would send kids all over to do, you know, these crazy things that you see on YouTube. Like, marching band uh, plays this crazy song. and You know, it was all just very... Just, like, way too much. Nothing I was ever interested in.
0: They took the fun out of it to make yeah. it elite.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's was a very, very, like, elite place to grow up. And I was, like... I, I was very happy to get out as soon as I could. I, it was, like... Uh, it was... Yeah, I was a misfit big time and like luckily there were other misfits. Like there was a there was a street across from the school where we would smoke cigarettes and listen to punk rock or whatever or uh smoke weed and listen to Bob Marley when we were 15 or whatever. But uh I don't I don't think that exists there anymore. I think I think I I don't know. I mean, I'm probably too old to know what's going on thank god with teenagers. But uh, it doesn't seem like that's part of the, you know, the zeitgeist for young people anymore.
0: No, when I was in Westfield not too long ago for some random street festival and the musical entertainment at the festival was the local school of rock. And no no shade that on school. That
1: was probably the place that I work. Yeah, and <laughs> what I was going to say was
0: I was actually incredibly impressed with, like, how well these young kids could play their instruments but there was this other part of me that was like i don't think these are really like the songs that I would picture like 12, 13, 14 year old kids playing. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, and I remember Mm -hmm. saying to, to my kid, who's, who's 12, um, who's also a a musician, like, wow, they're all really like technically super proficient, but I bet they didn't pick these songs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's like, there's definitely a, at something. So I work at this place called Valencia school of music, Um, It might have been that one, but there's also a local school of rock that that's, that's not where I work at. Um, But uh, one of the things that I try to do as a teacher, um, because I wanted so bad for something like that to exist when Mm -hmm. I was that age, like all this stuff that I'm talking about now, like probably wouldn't have happened to me if I had this place to go to have band practice and like adults to look up to and support the things that i was trying to do like i always felt like i was fighting everything every fighting against everything around me to be able to do that so the fact that they have that support is great but i know that there's like a generational disconnect um because it's mostly like i'm i'm a millennial but i know i'm not like quite old enough to like have the kind of funds to start that kind of business so i'm more like working for gen x and a lot of the music that these kids end up doing is like 90s hits for yeah. sure.
0: Yeah, that's excellent summary of what, what I was thinking. Like, I was like, this is like <laughs> stuff that was on the radio when I was in high school, you know, 20, right. more than 20, 20 years ago. Um, you said that you were like, oh, I couldn't, you couldn't wait to get out of Westfield. Where, like, where did you get out to? <laughs> What was the next stop?
1: Uh, kind of all over. And I, and it's been back and forth just because, like, my parents lived in Westfield. And, like, if everything failed, I would just move back in with them. But the first place I left was I used uh, I used college as an excuse to get out. I went to Bloomfield College. I don't know if you've ever. I sure do. Yeah, uh, I grew up
0: not yeah. far from there.
1: Cool. Yeah, it's way different. Speaking of things that are different now, it is, like, taking over the town. Um, I went there from 2007 to 2011. Um, and it was way smaller deal. Um, I think it's my tuition money that has made it into what it, what it is now. Uh, but it was an awesome place to go. They had a, they had a audio engineering program. Um, and it was a cheap, cheap, cheap school. It was not hard to get in. My grades were not good and all of my extracurriculars were music related and like, that made me look good to the school which was great so i moved to newark and rented an apartment with some friends um and then i would take the bus to bloomfield i didn't want to live on campus so that was the first place that i went where uh, where in newark were you living i think it was cent- it's center or central like near njit mm-hmm. and rutgers and all that stuff
0: and then go on up bloomfield avenue and then make your right turn to <laughs> bloomfield college exactly and,
1: yeah Exactly. Yeah. Easy peasy. What I yeah, and I was there for a couple. Oh, go ahead.
0: I was gonna, no. Go ahead. I was going to ask about the audio program because I didn't know that even existed there.
1: Yeah, it's it's especially great now. It's run by this guy Tori, that was like a music business teacher when I was there, and then he's ended up running the whole program. It was very it was it was very low key when I was there. There weren't many students, but this was like. So this was 2007 that I was there. So we're talking about like the small two channel boxes, and they had like pretty much just the beginning of home digital audio starting to become really, really, really available. Um, so it was a great time to go to learn that. I mean, I basically just learned, you know, the software, how to work it, um, started learning some hardware stuff. There was a small studio on campus that we could use, um, but mostly the best thing was like meeting other people that were not the people that I grew up with in Westfield. And then I, I was like the outlier at that school, which I really liked. Um, super diverse, super, you know, I just, the, the antithesis of everything that was in Westfield high. And I was like surrounded by art, but in a really, I mean, this is what I really liked about that place is that it was very Jersey school. Like it was not, it was very small, um, but had a lot of heart, I guess is what you could say. Like everybody was there very much to do the thing that they wanted to do and they were going to figure out how to do it. And like that, that meant whether it was like making beats or recording bands or whatever, it was like small two, two channel boxes. like, and then me and my roommates in my apartment, like ended up using like four of those chained together to record drums in our apartment and stuff like that. Uh, now they have a huge studio, a brand new building, like a whole creative arts and technology department. That's really awesome. So, very happy who for whoever gets to go there now.
2: It
0: was uh, w- were you like were you thinking you wanted to become like an engineer and go into like production? Was that sort of the goal at that point?
1: I think so. Yeah. I mean, I always like I was lucky enough to to know that I needed a plan B when I was a teenager. Like as much fun as I was having. Playing basement shows and drinking forties, as I've mentioned several times now, um, I kind of knew like there was something in the back of my head, I was like I can't, I can't do this shit forever. Like I, I'm going to need to rent to a, a rent an apartment someday or something like that, you know. So I was like, well, what's a what's something that's actually going to maybe make some income? And I was like, well, I could figure out how this stuff is made, and so. I, it was, yeah, it was kind of a backup plan. And then I ended up getting really into it. I still am into it. I don't, I don't really do it too much professionally anymore. Um, but I got into live sound while I was there and ended up working at, uh, Crossroads and Garwood as their tech for eight, nine years, something like that. Um, which opened up my world musically in New Jersey a lot. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say I, I wanted to. I guess I did for a while, but I, in in my heart, I always wanted to play and tour. What was the,
0: what were, like? What was the music scene like then? Like, what were you involved in specifically at that point? Uh, which point? Like when when you were at Bloomfield College, like studying audio, like outside of school, like what was like the like oh. what part of the scene? Were you involved in like what bands were you playing in? What were you doing?
1: I it was it's hard to say if there was one. I, there there definitely was an uptick around like 2010, 2011. I was in this band. I kind of don't want this. I don't want to say the name online because I don't, I don't want anyone to go and listen to it because <laughs> it is out there somewhere. And I want people to listen to Brewster, which is my band now. Um, but I was in a band and we played, I feel like we kind of made our own scene a little bit, but there was actually something going on, uh, in and around Union County, a lot. Um, you know the bar Butch Coles in Rahway? I do not though. No. It's right on Saint George. I don't get out much. Yeah, it's it's you know it's just some it's some dive um, on right on twenty seven, and they had an owner. He might still be the owner. I don't know, but he was like really into cultivating bands for a moment. Uh, there is there was my band. There is this one band called Traveling in Stereo. There's this band called the Ugly Club there was a band called Chocolate Bread it was like kind of it was like really right on the cusp of when indie started taking over the world and uh, there was like a little bit of rap in there there was maybe quite a bit of rap actually but it was like if you can imagine like when the Black Keys were the biggest band in the sure. world for a moment there there's you know some bands that kind of sounded like them. There was like a live hip hop band that would kind of blend the spacier indie stuff with uh, maybe more boom bap rap kind of stuff. Uh, and we played just kind of wherever we could. I feel like every weekend there's a place called Manny's Diner in Clark that used to be called something else. I don't remember, but they tried to throw shows for a while and then they would have a free breakfast bar after the show for everybody. Nice. So obviously so sick.
0: <laughs> That's a great idea for a show to have a breakfast bar. Yeah, a it suit. never
1: really caught on because they didn't charge at the door. And then they also were giving away free breakfast food. So I, I mean, I can understand why they stopped doing that. Um, but at that place, Crossroads, there were a lot of shows with this group as well. Um, you ever hear of a place called 10th street live in Kenilworth? That sounds really familiar. Yeah. It's gone now but uh, I think uh, if it's not Redman then somebody like that came through once Um, somebody from Agent Orange too maybe even some form of that band themselves Um, stuff like that would pop through every once in a while they're closed they also were a place it was called Apples before that Um, but they were doing shows so there was yeah there was a small scene around then it felt like the biggest scene in the world because it would draw like sometimes hundreds of kids out but it was more venue and bar based than it was basement and mm-hmm. church and VFW based at that point. That's
0: interesting, yeah, cuz I for for us like a slight generation before that it was definitely like church, VFW, <clears throat> a little bit of the basement thing. It it wasn't like then there were basement shows in new brunswick but not it was only one or two places not sort of what it turned into later on like it wasn't quite as big you know
1: yeah yeah i caught the tail end of that when i was in high school like early high school until maybe a little bit later but that i was right through basically right through the early 2000s was i caught i caught really the tail end of that i mean maybe they're still doing vfw shows i don't know I'm not invited to them.
0: Someone invited me to a VFW show yesterday, uh, with in, which is in a couple of weeks in Kenilworth. Um, yeah, that's funny. No shit. And they, they, they were, I was like, well, where's the show? And they were like, Oh, a VFW in Kenilworth. I was like, I gotta be kidding me. I was like, that's great. Like, I'm glad that people are still doing that. You know? Oh,
1: that's great. I kind of want to go.
0: Yeah. I, I think I will definitely be going to that. If, if for sweet. nothing else to see what, what I just want to like. see
1: it. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: I mean, I went to uh, another another show not too long ago in New, New Brunswick. A, a friend of ours, uh, his band, was playing in basically like a storefront in New Brunswick. So you know that stuff still definitely is is going on.
1: you know, absolutely, yeah. As as early as like right before the pandemic, Brewster was still playing basements in New Brunswick. I feel like we may have aged out of it a little bit <laughs> now that we're all in our thirties. Um, but you know. There's always hope. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's definitely still going on down there. I don't know how much there is for the country rock bands.
0: Yeah. That's what I was just going to ask about, about Brewster specifically, like where, when, when you're, when you're in, you know, if you're playing in Jersey, like what, what do the bills look like? Like where are they, where do they, where do you get to
1: play? Like, who do you play with? It's tough to say at this very moment because we don't play locally a ton right now, but coming up, um, so I, I was in this band called men dancing that was like right, right now in New Jersey, there's a ton. Well, I don't know if it's still, I think it might be, but there was a ton of emo and pop punk coming out of New Jersey for a long time. And that was kind of making up the basement scene. Um, and I played guitar in one of those bands before I started doing Brewster. Um, and just because that was the scene I was in and the bands that I met, those were the bills that I would end up on. And I would actually even get billed as uh, Brewster in parentheses, members of Man Dancing. So I think people would come out maybe expecting one thing and, and getting another. Um, but yeah, we would, we would play with and still, still do uh, get billed with like emo bands some pop punk bands uh, maybe math rock twinkly stuff um, very very rarely do we get the pleasure of sharing the bill with other you know country rock or even just like um, more rock and roll uh, Stones-esque kind of stuff um, which is it's like it's hard to describe because I hear it coming out of my mouth now and I'm imagining somebody's Um, uncle's band at a bar in Clark or something like I I (laughs) I know that it sounds like that Um, but in other places in the country there are um, there are some scenes especially like in Chicago um, there are scenes with people taking more Americana rootsy based things and using that as the art form to express things in ways other than like your uncle's cover band at a bar in clark and i've always tried to find something like that in new jersey but um actually here in raway is really the closest it's ever happened there's not a lot of places to play here but there is this like kind of magical little scene going on here in raway specifically i don't know the last time you've been to downtown Raway, but it's like it's kind of like a little happening little town now
0: i've been I, i've been down there recently not not for not for music for some other reasons but yeah i didn't yeah fill me in on the, i did not know there was a music scene happening in Rahway.
1: it's like like we all live in Raway, but i don't i don't think we play in Raway because there isn't i mean and this is one of the one of the issues there's not really anywhere to play left in new jersey at all like i can count the the venues that aren't doing pay-to-play ticket sales ahead of times like on one hand easily crossroads being one of them um, but if there were any left at all they didn't survive the pandemic um, but there's this band called wishy washy that are so good i love them so much they don't have anything out yet um, but we brewster actually shares some members with them um there was this band red house blue house that like um like local townies are all in these bands and like you will catch us at not maybe not playing, but like at a bar any night over the weekend. There's kinda like this couple streets where there's all these great little outdoor spots to hang out, and there's this big group of people that all play in each other's bands or go to each other's shows and stuff like that. Um, here in Rahway and like there's so there's Brewster, there's this band Wishy Washy Um, I'm blanking on anything else right now in this town specifically, but there is like, if you happen to run into someone that like, looks like they're into music that's in their late twenties or thirties here in Rahway, it's like probably can open a secret door to something really cool going on in New Jersey.
0: That's amazing that people are hanging out in one town. Why do you think that's forming up in Rahway?
1: I, I have been wondering this myself because I moved here from Jersey city. I was living in Jersey city before this. Um, well, okay. Maybe I, I think I might know why there was a place here. It's now called the Irving inn, but it used to be called the rail house. And back in like 2013 to 15, 16, something like that, they would have shows and they were always packed out. And it's like right across the street from the train station, and that was a bit of a local hub for any music heads around. It was a place to play. And Rahway is, I don't know, it's just got this charm to this town. It's its not gentrified, first of all. And the town itself is actually really resisting gentrification. Um, the town itself is on a direct line to the city. So that that gives you a recipe for immense gentrification which is happening all over just the and valley line itself i mean drive by and just drive down 28 north Ave, south Ave, or whatever and it's like you would think you're in short hills or something it's ridiculous but here in rawway it's still like owned by people that actually like the buildings and stuff a lot of it i can't speak for all of it um but especially in downtown i you know what i've heard is that there's only like three to four people that own all the buildings here. And they're all local people that grew up here that want to keep it the way that it has been that people remember. uh, And they don't sell to these people that are coming in and trying to build these huge places. And so funny enough, all around the downtown area are these big four over ones and, you know, the ugly gray boxes that everybody shoves people in. In fact, I'm looking out my window at one right now because my <laughs> building's like a hundred years old, but right across the street where it used to be a parking lot for the bar downstairs is now this huge, ugly gentrification building called the mint. I want everybody to hear that. Don't go to the mint. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of heart here. A lot of people that live here grew up here and, have been putting money into the local economy here. A lot of people that grew up here work here. There's a booming nightlife that a lot of people that live here work in. Um, and then they wake up and they go to the cafes here or the restaurants here or whatever. And it's just um, one of the, one of the places it's just kind of magic that doesn't really happen in New Jersey anymore. And it, it is still kind of happening right here.
0: No, I mean you've, this is all completely new to me and I think it's, I think people listening are going to be really fascinated to find out that you've got you write an entire scene popping up in Rawway with like your band, Brewster, or a bunch of other bands, but now also you're like, nightlife, restaurants, like all this stuff kind of coalescing together. Because honestly, like, let's like, right. We, we, we know the uninformed script on railway, right? It's like, Oh, that's where the, Mm -hmm. that's where the prison is. And so,
1: yeah. And you know what? It's not even, it's it's not even, that's
0: exactly why I said that because to me, it's always been funny. Right. So I feel like, especially people who are probably older, then definitely older than you, and probably older than me. Like that's their sort of vision of what Raway is, right?
1: Right. Well, it was called Raway State, prison. State yeah. prison until pretty recently. Yeah.
0: Luckily, they changed that. But it-
1: yeah, yeah. And I think that was a Raway like spearheaded um, you know, thing to push them to change the name because like sure. change the name of this freaking prison, man. It's not even in Rahway. Right, that's why Sing
0: Sing is Sing Sing, right? So they, right, are right. not to paint us and with that the, that brush in, in upstate New York. So for mm-hmm. for your band, Bruce, or do, so do you all live in Rahway or just, you know, uh
1: coalesce there? I think four out of six of us do. Um let me think. One has just moved to like right outside of New Brunswick. I think Middletown, is that the name of a town that's New Brunswick? Yeah. It sure is. Yeah, Yeah. One of them has moved out there, but a bunch of us live like literally within blocks of each other. And even our rehearsal space is this place called hellhound studios. I can walk there with my gear and it's, it's just the most amazing thing in the world. Um, yeah, most of us live here now. I moved here last year, but even before that, just because all of my friends and bandmates lived here, I was spending all of my time here. Like, and that should paint a picture. I was living in Jersey City, which anybody not from the immediate area is like, "Oh, Jersey City—that's a place where stuff is happening, right?" I didn't like it at all. It—it it was not anything like what I have here. So much so that I wanted to move out, and I moved here.
0: Where, um, yeah, I mean, I, like, I mean, this isn't necessarily particular to Jersey City, but I think that's sort of the pattern for any town in New Jersey, right? Which is a bunch of people move there because there's a cool scene or it's inexpensive or it has good transportation or apartments or whatever. Then over time that kind of gets watered down. as like more and more people, right? That's the, the script for that story.
1: So actually, yeah, Broadway is terrible. It's really unsafe. There's no good restaurants. Um, Everybody here is really mean. There's nowhere to park. Uh, and their weather is terrible for some reason. I don't know. It's, it's like Seattle blackout. over here. Don't but come. Don't come. It has here. its
0: own terrible weather pattern, right?
1: Just, yeah, just yeah, sit yeah.
0: right on top of
1: raw Yeah, weather. it's from all the refineries in Linden. It actually just blows over right. chemicals the, here and it's constantly uh poison rain all the time.
0: That that general plant, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> blowing stuff over. Did did you you, your new records? Did you record that in Rahway? Where'd you record it?
1: Oh yeah, funny enough, um, I did some of it here. It was pr- it was pretty much done by the time that I got here, um, but it was all fully recorded in New Jersey. Yeah, um, there's this studio called uh, Gradwell House down in like near Cherry Hill, where we did some of the stuff. Um, I was living in Jersey City. There's this awesome studio called Timber Studios in Bayonne. Yeah. Are you aware of it? I've
0: heard of this before, yes.
1: Very cool. Yeah, the, the guy that runs it, I went to Bloomfield with him. Yeah. Uh, Adam Sachoki his name. He's awesome. We did some drums there. I did some drums in my apartment in Jersey City. Uh, I lived in the neighborhood McGinley Square, which had a lot of those, like, uh, old Victorian Mm -hmm. houses that were converted into apartments. So I had this like a big, beautiful, uh, wooden living room with like 12 foot high ceilings that I was able to do drums in, uh, for one day because I didn't realize that the apartment building that was like directly next to this house, um, the drums were echoing in the alley the entire day. And so we were not able to get away with that a second time, but I did, yeah, all my vocals, all, like a lot of the recording I had like a small bedroom studio there that I did a lot of it. So all definitely all and you done in new Jersey. Yourself. And then I mixed a lot of it here in Raleigh. Okay. Yeah, 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 I did. I did and mixed it That's myself amazing. too.
0: When um I did, so I have heard your record and, and and I was digging it right away cuz it's new, right? It just came out in the last like
1: Uh just a couple of weeks, yeah. Yeah,
0: so say like when you email me, yeah, it was pretty pretty new. And it's on all the uh Available on all streaming services, etc.
1: Yes. Oh yeah, folks. Honey, shake me by Brewster just came out April seventh. Made here in New Jersey.
0: Where uh, Where do you prefer people get it so that you get money? Because one of one of my things that I talk a lot on the show, and I think it's par- partially because of my day job, but partially right because I've been involved in like music and art my entire life is. I'm not like, I refuse to use streaming services because I think they are yeah, very, or I would say like 99.9% of them. There are a couple independent services that do right by musicians. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I, I do think they just financially screw artists, but like, is there a preferred oh, way that you would want people to get your music?
1: Unfortunately, I gotta say go to Spotify because the actual way to get these uh, these tours and these gigs and stuff that really help the band out is by pumping up the numbers on Spotify. Yeah. Um, if you've got some money to burn, throw it over on Bandcamp for sure. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, uh, to your point, I've I've kind of just fully given up and let the machine take me. It's like <laughs> I, I had I kind of had to make the tr- and and so many musicians feel like this. It's like you you know kind of goes back to the whole like no ethical consumption under capitalism kind of thing like you if you have if everybody on the freaking planet is using spotify to listen to music um do i want to have a career in music yes do i want people to hear my record yes It like it has to go on this service um as and i fully agree with you like it is completely Disrupt. It is basically um, completely devalued music, I mean that's been going on for ages. But especially, especially the big boom of Spotify. Um, but realistically, it's the only place that people are hearing stuff, discovering stuff. Like every, t- uh, like I didn't even um, print physical uh records this time I just printed out a big poster with a QR code uh, and while we were on tour it was like the biggest thing you can do is like scan this follow us on Spotify pump our numbers up listen to it there um, because the and you know it just it goes past the streaming, and it's like the anybody booking actual shows above a three hundred capacity venue is in some way shape or form using either live nation or a e g right and the agents for this are going they're looking at your spotify numbers they're not looking at how many people support you on bandcamp some do thank God the real heads, but in general, it's like. Yeah, I, I had to make that compromise for sure. So yeah, I'll stream it on Spotify, please.
0: <laughs> no, I, I just wanted to like. I mean, that's why I asked, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. ultimately, I want. Yeah. If, if if people hear this and and they want to check out your music, like where where does that happen? So when you're
1: because
0: you're you,
1: you just got back from tour,
0: or you're going on
1: tour. Oh, we just got back, uh, like a week ago.
0: And so when you were touring, that's really fascinating to me. So basically like Spotify plays are becoming sort of the, the currency for booking good shows now.
1: Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, especially like the monthly listener count, because that's the one that they put at the top of your page that shows like within the last 28 days or whatever, how many people have come and revisited your music and will likely come out to see you. Wow. That's amazing. That and like you know, Instagram followers or whatever.
0: Yeah, it's a very, a very different world. I I, I was saying to someone that that I know, who's like a a friend who's a relatively successful musician, was like managed to make a career out of being a musician for quite a long time, and what what they were saying to me was that basically. The, the job is no longer just making music it's like you said it's also being good at spotify being good at, at instagram and you know it's almost um become like mar- marketing is almost sadly as important Absolutely. or more important than the, the music that you make
1: yeah i mean the the at the at the end of the road, the music is the most important part. Um, You like, there are a lot of bands that end up in like the emperor's new clothes type of situation where like, they've got great numbers. People are listening and following and all this stuff, but it could just be from playlist counts that people are passively listening to it. It may not be active listeners and stuff like I, I want to cultivate people actively listening to an album. I'm still very much in that world of creating albums and, um that type of songwriting um but you know and then some of these bands they play their first show at a sold out venue and then they actually can't play and the songs aren't any good and then when people are finally in that room with them it's kind of like the little kid going hey he's naked and then oh my god wait do these guys suck wow so (laughs) so i'm kind of trying to do the opposite and um I, I've taken it as far as I can in New Jersey, which you know is going to be funny for everybody listening to this podcast. Me, like, I've never heard of this fucking band, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, there are there are only so many places to play and only so many fans to get in one place. And uh, what we've been trying to do is uh, branch out from that and hit the rest of the country and try to do the same thing that we did here everywhere else. Um, so we did the Midwest and like upstate New York, a little bit of Brooklyn this last time. Um, but that gets us to our, our point that we originally kind of met up and talked about, um, was that most of the bands that do what we're doing at this point now, which is starting to go out on tour and, uh, get people other than your local scene to listen to your music uh, is lie and say that they're not from New Jersey. Oh no. <laughs> Um, and I, I, I think anybody that creates any kind of art in New Jersey has at one point, um, either done that themselves or seen the benefit of doing that. Like there is a, there's a big stigma on New Jersey, um, and I, th- I think a lot of it comes from just being right next to New York City, um, and that is still like culturally what anybody maybe not immediately here or. Maybe plenty of people that are immediately here are like, oh well, New York—that's where you make it, or whatever, or that's where the bands are, you know, CBGBs, et cetera, et cetera. A place that's been closed for, for 20, twenty years. years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I will say, I did get to play CBGBs. I am just that old.
0: I never got to play CBGBs, but did see a num many shows there over the years. know, mm-hmm. yeah. it's funny because in at least as someone who obviously like from New Jersey involved with music here for a long time. You know, I also lived in New York city for 20 years. Sure. The, if you take the bands out of the equation for a second, the actual music infrastructure in New Jersey, I think is better. And what I mean is there was like, I
1: totally agree.
0: Easier to get shows, easier to record, easier to meet people. Like if someone, in my experience offers you a show in New Jersey. Yeah, I mean there's always there's always scumbags in the music business, but like there's way fewer of them booking shows in New Jersey than there are in New York City. Absolutely. I mean you know like Absolutely. it's just a much more above yeah. board thing out here.
1: Yeah. I completely agree. Especially now and for the past I, I guess I'll say ten years or so. Um I definitely I I, wa- I wanted to live in New York, for sure. I mean, who doesn't grow up in New Jersey and and in the shadow of the big city and wants to go there and live out, uh, you know, your talking head's dreams of, of being Blondie or whatever? You know, of course I wanted to do that. Um, but right when I was growing up was like this, this post-Art um, in Williamsburg thing that now is just what the... To, you know, I'm going to paint a very broad stroke here that may anger a lot of people in New York city, uh, rightfully so, but uh, (laughs) that, that is kind of, that has really taken over the city. Um, especially in the places where everybody says like, Oh, well, you know, you can go out to Brooklyn and play or whatever. I, yeah, I guess like there's like five or six venues that like are going to book you. And, and some of them are awesome. Don't get me wrong. Some of them are awesome. But this this uh, this image of like the 2008 to 2010, like can uh, have death by audio right, right. glasslands thing like that's dead. dead. That's been dead. And the people that went to those shows are the ones that bought out the buildings and kicked those venues out and like bought out all the art galleries and turned them into coffee shops. And like like the it's it's just oh, I could go on and on and on and on about that. Um, but that was all starting to happen while I was in my early twenties, like right when I wanted to move to New York and give it a shot. And so I was living in New York, uh, living in New Jersey and going out to play in New York a lot. And, um, I mean the band obviously that I was in didn't make it in that sense, but I also just like very quickly, uh, was disillusioned and kind of got the wake up call. Like, I I don't think this is this is what everybody kind of thinks it is right now. Um, especially having come from the New Jersey music scene, I was like, I'm not getting the kind of experience that I'm used to talking to promoters, talking, working with venues. Um, but most importantly, like meeting other bands, that was so, so, so hard um, from, you know, to, I, I don't know, I'm going to say like 2013 to let's say right up until now, like the, the, like to have a band, right, you need to have something like what I've described in Rahway. Like you need to have affordable places. Not that Rahway is affordable. It's not. It's very expensive. Everybody looking at Zillow.com right now. Don't close out the tab. Don't even look. Um But you need to have somewhere that doesn't cost twenty three hundred dollars a month for your bedroom. Um, you need, because if you have that, that means you have to work 70 hours a week at whatever job you can find to pay for that. You have no time to work on your art. You have no time for band practice. Um, you have no time to gig anything like that. And like creating art takes time. It takes work. Um, and I just, I didn't see a way to find that balance and I'm really stubborn. So I like, didn't want to compromise. I was like, what makes me happy is like working 30 to 40 hours a week and being able to um maybe not casually but not so intensely squeezed in try to do this art thing so because you know not every show is going to make or break you so if you're only have time for this band practice and only this morning to write a song and only this weekend to play a show like there's so much pressure riding on that. Let alone the fact that you're like, Oh, this is, I'm in New York. I really got it. And I really got to do it. And I just felt like every time I was in New York and meeting other bands, talking to other bands at the bar. And I I still feel like this. It just felt like I was on a job interview every time that I was talking to somebody at the bar. They'd be like, Oh yeah, what's your band? Like, what's, what kind of stuff are you? Like, let me, let me check you out on Spotify. And they look at your numbers like, Oh yeah, the fuck this guy, whoever, this guy's a nobody. Like, That is just not something that happens here at all.
0: That's a really, really good. That's a really good take on what it's like right in, trying to you know be a musician in new york and you know versus new jersey you know that's probably a good way to, yeah. to close it out but i want to give you a shot to like let people know what's going on with brewster so they know where to find you where to see you play uh d- sure. the oh, yeah. so they don't
1: <laughs> <laughs> Raway. that actually that that place doesn't exist i made it up uh to make new jersey sound better uh no brewster um is well we just got finished with like a little busy beginning of spring we just put out a record called honey shake me so if you're oh man we didn't even get to talk about yellow tango the most important band from new jersey ever as far as i'm concerned uh but yeah if you're into bands like that like yellow tango or like maybe like the feelies or wilco or if you're a big like tom petty and bob dylan head especially like maybe 80s 90s stuff uh, stuff for the heads you know uh, Brewster could be for you um, we just put our record called honey shake me that that I like a lot um, definitely I, I don't have any shows to promote at this moment because we're working on booking the summer um, but we're gonna hit the road again in July uh, but anybody in New Jersey listening um, follow us uh, on Instagram and all that Brewster tunes T-U-N-E-S, B-R-E-W-S-T-E-R-T-U-N-E-S. And we'll be posting all the shows that are coming up. Um, Yeah, if you want to get a taste for something uh, that has a lot of heart and community based in something that maybe you wouldn't hear otherwise, New Jersey. It's a good thing to check out. I love it. But I would love for anybody to hear the and record. Hopefully we can get you... Get some uh, Jersey pride.
0: We can get you to come down and play one of the uh, New Jersey's The World Live shows the next time we do one of those. Oh, man, that'd be music. great. I didn't know you guys we did do. those. Uh, we do. We, we were doing them on a monthly basis for like the last year and a half. Um, and we've taken a couple of the last like two or three months off, but we'll probably be starting that up again at some point before too long.
1: Let's go. So, I'm down. Yeah, Let's do it. That would be it. fun. And then maybe we'd love to do one in Rawway. <laughs> now I'm curious. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Where there's this funny enough in Rahway at the train station, they even built like cemented in huh. a raised stage with like a little fence around it that has power out- outlets and stuff like that. There's no PA built into it, but like uh, the local townies bring whatever beat up PA they have out there. And like all summer we throw shows at the train station that I would love to do something like that. There'd be awesome.
0: We have a PA we can supply that. Killer, we've got a good PA. Great, well, Mark, thank you. You heard it here yeah, first. New folks. Jersey is the world <laughs> Broadway train station coming to you this summer. Let's go. Um, which I'm serious about. It's the kind of thing we would definitely, yeah. Do. Um, awesome. This is awesome, Mark. I'm glad we got to talk and I'm glad I got to learn all about Rahway. Yeah, and, think, yeah. Uh, yeah, everyone will post on our website uh, when you get your tour dates up. You let us know.
1: Absolutely. But, uh, oh, yeah, BrewsterTunes.com for everything, of course. And Spotify, of course. And <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, Spotify.
0: <laughs> and unfortunately, everyone, Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, everyone. Spin Bike B with Mark Pucci from New Jersey is the world. Bye-bye. Take care.
2: Thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the World is Chris Gethard, Nikki Bonaduce, Don Finelli, Andrea Quinn, Carson Kopp, and Mike D. New Jersey is the World is produced and edited by Carson Kopp, Mike D., and Andrea Quinn. You can find us online at World. And on Instagram at New Jersey is the World. Also, please feel free to reach out and leave us a voicemail by contacting the home office of New Jersey is the World at 973 780 4660 in regards to anything show or New Jersey related. Please subscribe and listen to more episodes of New Jersey is the World on your favorite podcast service. If you're looking to join our extremely opinionated and Jersey-ish community, head on over to Patreon.com and search for New Jersey is the World. We have merch, which you can find at BelowTheCollar.com after searching for Chris Gethard. Once again, thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the World. Where New Jersey is the World.